You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. And Love. Oh, and Love, he's got a real chance now. Peter and Love. John Walk will take the penalty. Up goes Dion Dublin. Unknown goal from Ruddock! Four by break here for Kiwabia! Panister and Bruce in the queue again. Bruce scores! Oh, a magnificent goal from Darren Huckabee! Now, you know him better than anybody, probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, oh he No! Hello and welcome to Quigley Kevin Will He Score. I am Chris Gold, joined by Josh Widdicombe. Hello. And some say that after winning the FA Cup for the first time on Championship Manager, he had a team bath with his PC. <laughs> Others say he happily celebrated with Pierre Van Hoydonk after he returned from his exodus at Nottingham Forest. It is Michael Marden. Hello. I love that. A bit of fun, isn't it? Yeah, because I was tiring of those manager similes. <laughs> I didn't want to tell you, but you found the truth yourself. Should we have some correspondence? Yes. I'm Jim Rosenthal, and this is the Electronic Post Bag. You've got mail. Well, you've been getting in touch with your sponsors. We've had oh, a good yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. could be the best one. Christian Daly and... Uh, Christian Daly? Christian Daly. Can I, but not spelled not, like not the same, at no, all. Not, um, to repeat someone else's joke, I remember on Fantasy Football, uh, Frank Skinner, they brought up Christian Daly, and he said it was the newspaper that Glenn Hoddle reads. <laughs> Uh, so Christian Daly not the real Christian Daly and Chris Henry both spotted that Cardiff City were sponsored in the FA Cup the Welsh FA Cup by the super furry animals oh wow I just know how much pain that must have caused Dennis James as a Swansea fan (laughs) (laughs) Swansea and huge super furry animals fan someone sent one in as well which I've forgotten about which was there was a, a period in the 90s I think when Millwall was sponsored by Millwall. Like, they didn't have a sponsor. <laughs> just said Millwall across the front. Probably some kind of tax break thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a way of them avoiding the financial fair play rules. Yeah. Well, keep um, coming in. Hello at quicklycoming.com. Now, we've got an anecdote here from Alexander Stebbings. The mother of a friend of mine used to do some housework for Phil Babb when he was playing at Sunderland, and we managed to acquire his mobile phone number. At yes, first, we please. didn't really know what to do with it, until one day we were watching Premier League years, 97-98 on Sky, and there was some footage of Phil Babb when he was at Liverpool giving away a penalty against Barnsley. So we decided to text Phil Babb, pretending to be a former teammate that he probably wouldn't be in touch with. We settled on Stig Ingebjornaby. <laughs> 
Magazine. We said. Can I just ask? Yeah. Do you think that's a good choice? I think that's a great choice. Yeah. yeah. Well, Carl well, Heinz Reed learning about. Just, I just wonder whether you know they'd have done a lot of defensive drills together. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd have gone with someone who played up front. Yeah. <laughs> a different department. Sean Dundee. <laughs> so, we sent a text along the lines of Phil. What on earth were you doing bringing him down like that at Oakwell? Sloppy penalty. Stig. <laughs> to our surprise... Do you think that's who the Stig is? <laughs> <laughs> what a reveal that would have been. Yeah. It was hiding in plain sight. <laughs> the clues were there. <laughs> oh, can I just say? Sorry to interrupt. But do you remember that show, Magic Secrets Revealed? Yeah. Did you ever see the episode where they revealed who the masked magician was? No. And you're just like, oh, is it nobody? It's just, I I've yeah. got no idea who that is. It was one of the most disappointing <laughs> things. And then I realised, well, I only know two magicians anyway. Yeah, who, not... who are you expecting? Well, David uh, Blaine or Paul, Paul Daniels. Daniels. Yeah. <laughs> um, to our surprise, Phil Babb replied. No. And while he was this a little is the best anecdote ever. And while he was a little confused, he believed we were Stig Ingebjornaby. <laughs> we had a bit of back and forth with Babb as we desperately scoured the internet to find what Bjornaby was up to now as to not be found out. Months later, after more of our friends had also taken the number and had a go at calling Phil Bab themselves <laughs> from the pub, I got a text out of nowhere from an unknown number. I opened the text and it read, Hi Stig, this is Phil Bab. I've had to change my number because I was getting a lot of prank calls. I hope you are well. I was amused but felt very guilty. I never contacted him again. Oh Alexander Stebbings, thank you. That is so good. <laughs> that <laughs> that goes. That's a hall of famer. Yeah, that is a hall of famer. Yeah. Um, if Alexander has still got those texts on his phone, if you could send in like the screen grab, the yeah. screen grab, so we could we could read out the conversation, that'd be amazing. <laughs> that is so brilliant. Right, Mark Naveau has emailed in. I play for a team in the Gloucestershire Veterans League. Teams are made up of players from the area who are getting on in years but still want to play football. Players have to be aged 40 or over, although you are allowed two players that are 35 plus on the pitch oh, at any one time. I thought you meant people that have fought in Vietnam. Mr. <laughs> <laughs> Gloucestershire. Vietnam away. Tough. Tough, tough game. A lot of extra time, actually. It goes yeah. on a lot longer than you think playing yeah. Vietnam. I remember when... Uh, <laughs> Blow your whistle, mate. Yeah, JFK said potential banana skin this week. <laughs> Um, they are usually pretty competitive games and are pretty evenly matched until one day last season we lined up against a team called Ashton Reunited their lineup included Lee Hendry Julian Joachim and Warsaw legend Darren Byfield apparently Lee Carsley also plays for them on occasion they won the match 6-2 not exactly sure what the once in the Cup winner and current Radcliffe Olympic striker got out of it but we enjoyed the lesson in football that's amazing 6-2 is pretty yeah, healthy that's quite reasonable have you ever lined up on a game and had like a ringer on the opposition like Marlon Harewood's playing up there <laughs> uh, keep your correspondence coming in hello quicklykevin.com Right, Josh, there's your plane tickets. Let's go. Hello, here I am in Italy, um, enjoying the piazza, enjoying working out here, and uh, I can because uh, Britain is in the EU and I can't see that changing at any time soon. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Graham Sharp, not the Everton striker, we presume, has emailed with some transfer rumours. Oh, lovely. thought it would be interesting in the rumour that in the mid-90s, Brazilian Ronaldo 
was linked with a £37 million move to Glasgow Rangers. The real Ronaldo. The real Ronaldo. Is that this? I don't, don't remember yeah. this. Well, we've got a quote from the agent. Yeah, no, I know. I'm about to read it, mate. <laughs> I was just playing to the stalls. Ronaldo's agent, Giovanni Bronchini. I mean, you can't just make people up, can you? Said the clause in his contract was a novelty at the time and it scared a lot of clubs off. The three that were really interested were Inter, Lazio and Glasgow Rangers, who followed the negotiations all the way. The offer from Glasgow Rangers was incredible. They told us he didn't have to play on a Saturday in the Scottish League. That's mad! So. That's insane! <laughs> they told them, we're going to sign Ronaldo and go, don't worry about Cowden beef away. Yeah. Uh, just, wow. just stick around for the big games. That's so what? They were desperate to win the Champions League, good luck with that, and were going to allow him to play in the European matches only. But Inter had followed him, and he moved to Inter. That is an astonishing... I mean, £37 million for a a player in the mid-90s who's not going to play in the league. It's almost as if Rangers have some questionable financial decisions. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, join me again on my piazza next week. Right, before we before we move on, I have to say we were tweeted by a nineties footballer a couple of days ago. Robbie so, Fowler. Saying no, I'm not available for the show. <laughs> saying <laughs> You said Rob Jones was called Trigger, Trigger in the Liverpool dressing, the dressing room. room. So someone tweeted Robbie Fowler saying oh no, look the quickly Kevin got it wrong. Jason McAteer was Trigger and Rob Jones was something else. And Robbie and then Fowler why they tweeted a tr- they said ask at Robbie they, Fowler. They acted yeah. Robbie Fowler. They yeah. acted Robbie Fowler. And then he replied saying, actually no. <laughs> yeah. Rob Jones was called Trigger. Amazing man. McAteer was called Dave. So exciting, wasn't yeah. it, when that happened? But so then we, we retweeted it, but in like the hour since Robbie Fowler sent that tweet, he then deleted it. Why was it? Why did he delete it? Do you feel like he'd given something away in the secrets of the dressing room? I, I like to think he's like a sort of Batman style, like Dark Knight of fact checking. He just swoops in, corrects people, deletes, and then he's gone again into the <laughs> night. Leaves no trace. I mean, I, we had a screen grab, but otherwise I'd question whether it existed, whether it, whether it happened. I had the weirdest dream last night that Robbie Fowler applied to my tweet. My favourite footballer on social media is Gavin Peacock. Do you follow Gavin Peacock? No, I don't. Oh, well. What are we missing? Do you know what? We should do, because there must be loads of good 90s footballers on social media. Right. If you've got any, send them in. We should do a feature. Each week we'll feature one 90s footballer. Yeah. Uh, who is good or bad on social media. I'll give you a clue. Gavin Peacock is very bad. <laughs> we'll start it next week. Uh, I'm not sure. I think this is 90, Louis Sahar definitely played in the 90s. You know, he tweeted uh, JK Rowling going, can you follow me? I'd like to send you a message. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, like, wow. what a sight. What a world. If you've seen any 90s footballers on social media doing weird stuff, please send them in. Hello at quicklykevin.com. As soon as this finishes, I'm going to check if JK Rowling follows Louis Sahar. <laughs> Whether he just got a massive chips. Also, what was his idea? He's tweeting her because he's got an idea. It's like, I've got a new Harry Potter book in my head. I think you should write it. He's actually developed the golden snitch as a thing. <laughs> Do you think J.K. Rowling knows who Louis Saha is? No. 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 Before we move on, um, just to say the second Quickly Kevin Live date uh, was released on pre-sale on Friday and general sale today and it has sold out. We are very sorry. Thank you so much. We can't believe that we've sold out too, to be honest with you. It seems that being on the mailing list is the way to beat people to it. So sign up at quicklykevin.com if you want to hear about these dates first. Now then, Tom Parry. One of my favourite comedian. Uh, we didn't have him on last series. Uh, his, it's his debut on the show. He was absolutely brilliant. 
a huge fan of Steve Bull and Wolves. It was hilarious and fascinating, and I loved it. Well, let's listen. Ladies and gentlemen, Tom Parry. You see Bull at the far post. This is Bull! And he has now become the most prolific scorer in the league in the club's history. Our guest this week is comedian, writer and actor, Wolves fan and self-confessed Steve Bull obsessive. Welcome to Quickly Kevin, Tom Parry. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. Yeah, your life's been leading to this point. It really has. (laughs) I mean, to be able to get on and talk about the great man is is a really good opportunity for me. Yeah. Have Have you ever been asked to be interviewed about him before? I got no. I got interviewed by um, a sports channel on satellite that had me like, "Let's interview a Wolves fan." But it was, uh, yeah, it was a strange chat. Where do you rank <laughs> in the famous Wolves fans list? Are you up? Are you up there? Uh, no, I don't. I plants, don't know. Don't <laughs> yeah, plants. Plants. plants got to be up there. there. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. And Roy Roy Woods. Uh, oh yeah. He performed at Molyneux once. Is so. Noddy Holder a fan? A football fan? I don't think he is. No. I mean, um, one of them. Ah, the other one. Dave, Dave, Hill. Dave Hill. Dave Hill yeah. does a lot of the walls, yeah. There's, that's it, that's <laughs> it. Good, good bit of trivia about one Slade. Yeah. Do you know this? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I told you it. Go on. The bass player from Slade was um, dropped from the band. Not the original bass player, so they got a new touring bass player. He was then dropped from the band when he became engaged to Rosemary West. You were just about to take a sip of your beer there and you went, whoa, hang on, handbrake. While she was in prison? While she was in prison? Yeah. What are those people against the skaters? No, no. <laughs> they weren't saying at the time she's she a bad like, egg. <laughs> I like the cut of her Yeah, you don't want to get involved with her, mate. <laughs> Extraordinary story. Yeah, like, I'd love to have seen that situation play out. But do you think they were like, well, when are you going to show us your new bed? <laughs> Get bring her around, around, bring her around. <laughs> I've, got, so I've got a picture in my wallet, though. <laughs> what? Whoa. Is this a wire? Whoa. <laughs> well, you can't be in the band anymore. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I think it's a totally acceptable topic for conversation. Yeah. Right, let's start. Uh, the questions we always ask uh, uh, comedians we have on. Uh, three questions. Have you ever met a 90s footballer? Yes, I, well, being around Wolverhampton, it wasn't difficult to bump into Wolves players. I bought Robbie Keane a drink oh, yeah. in Atlantis, the nightclub, and he yeah. refused it because it was one of the pounder bottles. Like, oh, on the yeah. Night, what, one like, of the fake alcohol yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, Robbie, I bought you a drink. He was like, ah, it's all right, I'll get my hand. <laughs> and then I bored him for about five minutes telling him how good a player he was. I was drunk. Yeah. I told him how good a player he was and that he, if he needs to, to help his career, he should leave Wolves. Did you? So I take credit you, for that. Whoa, really? I take credit for his attitude towards clubs. <laughs> That's why he got so You had a drink with Neymar recently as well. <laughs> all came from me. Here, I've got you paying a drink. Um, yeah, so, so I met him. And on the same night, we were outside afterwards and the, t- the Wolves team were coming out. And we, were, we started chanting players' names as they came out. Oh, Robbie Keane. And uh, Steve Corica came out, the, the Aussie midfielder. Yeah. Remember him? Well, I remember, yeah. We well, started chanting, Steve, Garika, what a wanker, what a wanker. And Kevin Muscat, who's his mate, or yeah. took exception, stormed over to us oh, and wow. said, right, which one's the biggest one of you cunts? Like, <laughs> he's a psychopath, Kevin Muscat. <laughs> and we like, knew that. Like, that's why we weren't singing songs about Kevin yeah. Muscat. He was a psychopath. <laughs> he broke legs and for were you the bit you were you the biggest? Yeah, but no, Johnny Crasco next to me. <laughs> so poor Johnny Crasco. He wasn't even into football. So Muscat squared straight up to Crasco. I said, don't say that about my mate. Wow. And everyone apologised straight away because they knew what Kevin Muscat was. Didn't he cause a famous injury, Kevin Yeah, Muscat? I was there. It, was, it happened just in front of the Stan Kulistan. But I don't know, I can't remember who it was to, 
but I, I remember hearing it and I was, oh, I was okay. halfway up I was halfway oh, up hearing it yeah oh. and I heard the crack oh god it was brutal he was a brutal player it's been quite a dark start to this <laughs> is there, yeah yeah, yeah. That's, that's... is that the worst experience you've had meeting one of your heroes have you ever met a hero who's let you down you're um, worse than that Keith, we bumped into Keith Curl in a pub uh, <laughs> a couple of hours after I love how this story that's starts yeah, it's we, the only we, podcast where that is considered a great start yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd lost we'd lost I think I think we'd lost the blues and we were out in a, like an out of town pub for my mum's birthday and um, Keith Curl and Mike Stahl were having a pint post-match and Keith Curl was smoking in the pub yeah. and my brother was my brother was only about 11 and I remember having to say to him look it's not cool to smoke <laughs> <laughs> like, I know Keith Curls doing it but like just to see a footballer smoking yeah. and then we'd lost and they were there having a pint and having a fag oh, and it was God. like come on Keith my best mate Shap saw Keith Curl having a he followed him to the toilets because he was a, he worked at a restaurant Keith Curl came in yeah. so Keith Curl went for a piss and he, he did he saw Keith Curl went out he wanted, to Sorry, go, that was... he went to try he wanted to check out the size of Keith Curl's knob and what he was came it? in the next day and said he's huge <laughs> <laughs> Um, did you have any weird variations on football as a kid? My best football memory from playing at school, they invented a rule because of this. We were in year nine, and the lower years played across the cage, but because you were in the older year, you could play the length. You got the, you know, you full got the boss for pitch, yeah. you went full pitch. So I was in year nine. What, in a PE lesson? No, no. Uh, Is that break uh, yeah, break times. But, but it was that regimented. Yeah, yeah, you just knew it. When you're in year seven, you're on the bottom half of the court. Yeah. And you were told on your first day, the year eight, to be like, you're there now. Really. <laughs> And the year nines had bossed the full length. I can't wait till I'm year nine. Yeah. And I was year nine and my mate was in year eight, Dave Krucek. Yeah. Went to the same church together, so it was like a cross year friendship. And I was <laughs> the coolest of friendships, <laughs> yeah. and, through the barricades. <laughs> <laughs> and I was I was coming up the pitch and um Big Phil was coming towards me, he was like the biggest guy in our year. And um Krucek was in goal in the year eight game. So the games were playing at cross, yeah. like, yeah, like yeah, Oxford yeah. Circus. Did you have to do this? Yeah, we did this as good, didn't you? You have to. That's absolute carnage. And then if you're like playing one game and the, the other game's ball comes across you and you're in the older year, yeah. you're going to give it a lump. You just, and just, like, it just, yeah, yeah, just put it out. Yeah. No. Yeah, 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 unbelievable. It's like end of days. So what, what I think about school football as well, we, we're playing it with shoes on, like a yeah. suit, a tie, <laughs> a blazer, <laughs> and then like here at 20 aside, suits. Yeah. That's mad, isn't it? There was nothing like it, though. Nothing yeah. like it. And I said, I, so I was going up to Big Phil, and um, Krucek was in goal for year eight, and I shouted, Krucek, one, two, passed it to him, went past Phil, he passed it back to me, and I oh, scored. Wow. <laughs> Big Phil went batshit. And we had to, we had to introduce, yeah, we had to introduce a rule, you're not allowed to use other, other players from other <laughs> years. years thought that you should be that should be rewarded innovation I thought it was superb I know yeah. like I love that story I love the fact that you did pull it off yeah it was like literally it was textbook so Krujic what uh, he must have taken his off like Colin York yeah he was in Goldie in his year 8 game so <laughs> they can't have been very happy with him no oh well I tell you what we had at primary school do you remember those because we weren't allowed proper footballs at primary school yeah same yeah. they were foam, foam ones so we were allowed either foam ones or we, we played with instead of a tennis ball do you remember those odd balls? And they were like no. little cartoon characters, but in the shape of a ball. No, I mean, that's got hello at quicklykevin.com written all over yeah. email in. I think they were called odd balls, and ours was um, a one, it's like a cyclops. Right. So we, our team was named after the ball we played with, because it was this weird, bumpy, 
cartoon character ball. So did so that we, affect the bounce? Yeah, then, like the eyes. And because we we because it was our ball, it gave us a slight advantage. We felt like it gave us a slight advantage because we knew the, <laughs> knew, the we knew the bounce of the ball. You could manipulate the eye <laughs> yeah, to bounce. Yeah, 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 yeah. You had to take it into account. It's like players that bowl better at Lords. <laughs> it's why I've got such a good first touch. Because <laughs> I learned with the Oblast. <laughs> um, now, should we get into the meat? No, wait, 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 wait. You brought us a clip. Oh yes. Oh yes. So what clip? So it, it, it suddenly occurred to me, like just like as a memory of like um, football before I went to school in the mornings. Like we'd be having breakfast, and it's like we didn't have time to watch anything proper. So, and so the Hurricanes was always oh. on. Do you remember the yeah, Hurricanes? Yeah, I remember the wow. Hurricanes. Wow. So I, I thought yeah. I'd bring in like, oh, the intro. Should we the say what we've remembered? But my main memory, which <laughs> I presume is the first memory everyone has, is. That the African player played in bare feet. I mean, that's the extraordinary thing about the Hurricanes. Let's cut to the chase. Yeah. So we need to deal with this early doors, yeah. and then we can move on. I mean, yeah, yes, of course, yeah. And Which isn't the, allowed. No, and in, in the opening, in so many ways, in, in the opening credits, the ball drops down to him, and it lands on his bongo drums. <laughs> <laughs> bum, bum, bum. No, He's in the jungle. He's in the jungle. <laughs> Lands on his bongo drums. Oh, no, goes. it's an extraordinary. Oh. The Hurricanes is an extraordinary feature. Do, do you know the only? And they played in from what I remember, something like the World Soccer League. Yes. Or Soccer League, yeah. yeah. And yeah. did they only ever play one opposition whose home ground was a volcano? Yeah, yeah. They, they, they played in a volcano. <laughs> Yeah, they were called. The, they were called the Gorgons. Is that, yeah. Gorgons? Yeah. Is that, a, is that a, like a UEFA five-star arena? I'm not sure it's going to get what. Extraordinary league that they the, played. The only other the league. The smell of sulphur must have been <laughs> so intense. <laughs> so shall we watch it? Yeah. Oh god, I'm yeah. so excited. To say something I've just remembered that is about to come up, because um, I we haven't really said if you don't remember the Hurricanes what it is. It's right. a children's cartoon. Yes, but also from what I remember, the title sequence contains a lot of backstory. Yeah. <laughs> well, basically, there's a blonde girl who inherits the football. Oh yes. team. Oh yeah. 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 But it's all in the title sequence because yeah. they feel it's obviously too complicated. So, and it's kind of like the backstory of every player is in the sequence. You see them all. <laughs> it's like, you know, Avengers Assemble. <laughs> should we watch? Right, should we watch from that? I just wanted yeah. to make clear to the listener what it was. I've inherited a team in the World Soccer League, the Hurricanes! Can I just say, very? They really predicted this kind of rise of the Champions League. It feels like it was like a prototype for those Nike ads, where yeah, like, you just see them, or like the or the title sequence for a World Cup. Yeah, yeah. That's what you see like. the different players. Yeah. There's, there's the sequence in there that we've really got to dwell on here. There's a someone kicks the football to a guy riding a motorcycle. Yes. Who kick, does a few headers headers up. And then boots it to a guy on an aeroplane who controls it a bit and then boots it to a guy in Trafalgar Square. The Japanese player is called Stats. 
he brings out a little mini calculator we need to watch an episode but I don't remember there being much football in there no. like, I don't remember, I remember one episode where they so they're always getting like a kind of we're all gonna die pickle <laughs> yeah. and I remember one episode they got locked in a stadium that was slowly filled with water and they're all gonna drown <laughs> <laughs> it's an amazing life yeah because um, yeah, then do you remember their manager's a big Scott yeah he was of based course. on Jock Steen he was based yeah, on Jock yeah. Steen yeah and it's a, it's a co-pro with a Scottish TV company so no. it's like, oh, really? it is made by by Scottish oh, people wow. and American people wow that's amazing and then but their captain and hero is an American surfer dude <laughs> well, of course he like, is such a weird thing it's like based on Alexi Lalas yeah he's the guy who sorts them out they've got a big British centre back with a mullet who didn't go Terry to Butcher. school yeah, it's like it is just like all these amazing stereotypes. Wow, it's like Escape to Victory for the nineties. <laughs> it's worth a revisit. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to do that. Episode. We'll have to do that episode. Um, now, Steve Ball. Steve Ball, the legend. Let me start by saying that you texted your mate about this, didn't you? Oh yeah. Well, I, I texted him to say I was going on to chat about Steve Ball, and uh, this is my mate Shaps, who now lives in America. And he hit me with such a beautiful story that I thought it's the kind of story you guys would, enjoy, would really enjoy. Um, I met Steve Ball in my local chippy in Codsall about four years ago. He bought all the row they had, all of it. <laughs> he even waited while they cooked even more from the back fridge. <laughs> I said to him, bloody hell, Steve, you can tell you're not in training anymore. And he said, yep. And then left with three carrier bags of row. <laughs> He said, I'm not sure this is podcast worthy. And I said, if you knew the podcast, <laughs> yeah, I'd go yeah. on. <laughs> How is that what podcast is that not worthy of? If you've ever seen a footballer buy a similar amount of rope, yeah. hello at quicklykevin.com. This, this is our area. Um, so let's start with Steve Bull. Yes. Arriving at Wolves. So the backstory of Wolves. I mean, it's pretty bad, isn't it? In the mid-80s, before the arrival of Steve Ball. Yeah, like, if, if you were to write this story as, like... Roy of the Rovers or fiction. a Hurricanes yeah if this was a Hurricanes episode you'd say it's pretty far-fetched <laughs> like, like it is, it's pretty extraordinary the Steve yeah. Ball story like Wolves we're on the cusp of bankruptcy we're at the bottom of the fourth division facing dropping out of the football league and as like a last ditch attempt Graham Turner bought two players from West Bromwich Albion obviously our arch rivals down the road yeah and they, basically they'd let Steve Ball go because they thought he didn't have a decent enough first touch wow. and um, so we signed him and Andy Thompson on the cheap two best mates they came down the road and basically like you really can't exaggerate enough how much of a one man show and he's became. just a, really? like, he's, he's like a classic goal scorer old big old fashioned number nine like watch if you watch back his goals now like most most of them would probably there'd be a foul called very early doors like he's <laughs> such a physical player like foul the defender push through wallop like that's what that's his style yeah um, but so effective no, no one twos with a year eight. No one twos with a year eight. No, but he scored. In, he scored in two seasons back to back. He scored over fifty goals. So That's he scored over a hundred goals in two seasons. So what's he scoring them in? Are you doing all of those shit competitions? What? Like are you in that that the auto win screens, the Anglo Italian, the league? Like, was he scoring? Well, we won, fifty goals in the league. We won the Sherpa Van Trophy. What's the Sherpa? The Sherpa Van. Sherpa Van Trophy. So like, what is that? The auto win screen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. So it was then the Sherpa Van. They started with vans, <laughs> and then they just narrowed it down to windscreens. <laughs> it's gonna be wipers. Soon. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. So like, we 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 pretty much won we won one season in the fourth division when we signed him, and then. 
it was like consecutive promotions because he he just became this goal machine. Couldn't and is he scoring. from the area, presumably? From Tipton. Yeah. So that, that's like the extraordinary thing is like you're watching a lad who and, and like his background is he, he was working in a factory. He was playing Sunday league and he was playing for two teams on a Saturday. So he was playing three games uh, 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 and then the baggy signed him. And there's a great. So how interview. old was he when he signed? He must have been about 21, I think, because he started playing England under 21s as an, as an overage player. Yeah. So he was, he was a bit older on. It's a bit like an Ian Wright type story, really. Yeah. Where he was like Sunday league, factory lad. He hadn't come through any kind of youth teams. And, um, and Baggy signed him and he was struggling in training and the Baggies found out that he was still playing Sunday league football. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you've got to stop this. Better take it to a side and sound like you're playing too many games. <laughs> he was just like, I love playing. <laughs> so he scored 50 goals a season. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. He was playing for five teams. <laughs> <laughs> so set the scene. Like, he went, when he arrives, how bad is it for Wolves? Oh, it's horrific. Like, there's, the, the, the Molyneux is now only one stand. What? It's because the rest are just crumbling. Yeah, because the, 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 the ground is in absolute disarray. We, we had dodgy owners who really like, did us over financially. And then Bully comes in and it just started. And Graham Turner was a great manager and he put a decent team together. But suddenly, overnight, we're getting promoted and then we get promoted again. And it just looks like we're in this inexorable rise through yeah. the divisions. And it's all because of the goal scoring exploits. So this guy, like 50 goals, 50 goals, somewhere like 30 goals. And did you, when did you start supporting Wolves? I started this? around about 89, 90. My dad's a Villa fan, so he took me to Villa Park for my first few games. Oh, oh really? Yeah. And, you, and you thought no? Yeah. It was even worse than that, because my dad, my first time I went to was Villa Tottenham. And I came away, we stood in the whole tent, and I came away saying, I, I want to be a Tottenham fan. <laughs> my dad was absolutely oh, no. <laughs> But they were a great team. Was like, I remember watching like uh, Gary Mabbott and uh, just thinking. Once you've seen Gary Mabbott play, you love, never go back. You watch the decent centre backs. You're seven yeah. year old. Yeah. The way Mabbott plays. Oh yeah, no diabetic. Yeah, diabetic. He's yeah. doing astonishing things. And then and then like obviously so I, so I had an eye on Tottenham. I always liked Tottenham. But then with Wolves, you could just go down and watch them train because at the time. They would train in the stadium car park oh, because really? they, we didn't have a training ground. Wow. So Graham Turner used to train them on was the car park. Was it not concrete? Yeah. And there's footage <laughs> on it. That's literally like, like a playground. Yeah. And they used to put their jogging bottoms on and trainers and train in the club car park. No. And, wow. and, the, and would they be going crashing in? Yeah. Like, uh, I, was, I was watching an interview with Bully uh, a couple of years ago and he was saying, like, you'd have gravel in your knees and everything from training. <laughs> Graham Turner liked it as a tradition and he thought it brought the like team spirit together so he they've got doing it. proper training ground then and he's going we're sticking with the car <laughs> yeah, park yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so, you so go, did you yeah. go down and watch yeah and do you remember the kind of first players you met from that team like yeah I remember I remember going down and buying because um, my first ever wall shop was Amanda's Painting Inc that was our sponsor and I bought a Amanda's Painting Ink top Amanda's Ma no Manders alright yeah. I was going to say that is small time <laughs> <laughs> she's worked, she worked from home <laughs> um, so I went down to buy my first football kit and then we could just me and my dad could stand there watch them play and then you just stand and get their autograph. So I got like Bully, got Andy Much, because that's they they were a striking double act really that really yeah. made it was Andy Much and Steve Ball. And where did Andy Much come from? Um I don't know. I mean again, like um Was he a more of I, a cultured or was it just more of the Yeah, same? he was kind of the Beardsley kind of figure, right. like he was the supplier. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, sadly, he went on to play Premier League football and Bully never did. And Bully really? was by far and away the bigger really? goal scorer. Yeah. And he much went to Swindon and did a season with Swindon. Wow. Oh, wow. Got to play his Premier League football. 
And that's the amazing thing about Bully. Like, like Bully so could he never, have, he never, never went, went, never went. went. And, and he surely, was. yeah, there must have been. He must have had opportunities to go. Well, he he was the last player. He was he was a Division Three player to play for England. So they called him up in Division Three. Yeah, which is well the equivalent of League One. Now. Yeah, right. League One now. It's a technicality because we just got promoted and it right. was in the it was in the close season. Yeah, but so that's still he's only yeah. played. In so Division we were still three. a Division Three striker. Yeah. And he scored, scored on debut. Ball, and again, oh. Right in the corner, what a start. Scoring on his debut. The man from the third division, and Wolves, or they're about to lead there. Scores on his first appearance at senior level. So, <laughs> he's called up by Bobby Robson in 1980. 89. Yeah. Build up to Italia 90. So do you remember this happening? Yes. Yeah, I, and I can remember... And did it come out of nowhere? Well, it's an extraordinary thing that Bobby Robson did that. Yeah. Because obviously we're so far down the divisions. But at the same time, when you're growing up in Wolverhampton, of course Bully's going to play for England. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, if, yeah. you're, if you're nine years old, yeah. and like, you watch this guy That's score goals point. fun, it's yeah. like, of course he's going to play for England. Yeah. He's the best striker in the world. <laughs> Bully, like the thing about Bully is like, like you know, like people think about footballers as brands. Yeah. Bully in Wolverhampton at the time, and it, bear in mind, he's just a working class lad, isn't it? But like, he had a haircut. Yeah. He had like this distinct. Yeah, he had the number cut. one all over. Yeah, so one all over into a peak. Yeah. So everyone in Wolverhampton had a bully cut. And Could like they? barbers would have bully cut, two quid. <laughs> no. So like you'd go in and go, can I have a bully cut, please? And it was wow. like everyone looked like bully. And they had the, the, the bags of row that they were <laughs> yeah. carrying. Three, 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 three bags of row in the haircut. <laughs> so, so did you ever see him around the town? Like, was he a hero around the town? Well, yeah, like he, he was just like, yeah, like I met him um, when he came back from Italia 90 in uh, the department, BT's, the local department store. Yeah. Um, he did a signing uh, and they put him in the China department. Very nice. For oh, head, lovely, lovely, lovely. So they put him in the China department and like queued for about an hour to. What was he signing? Him. He was signing postcards and posters of him in an England shirt. Oh, because I, and that, that's the thing to remember and like I'll go on to this in a second but I found the other day I've got this scrapbook of um, when he was at the World Cup and he wrote a little column in the Express and Star and the Express and Star did a deal with Wolves fans where they said if you want to write to Bully write to this address and we'll get the letters to him oh and so like an Santa so an Express and Star reporter Martin Swain who was our football correspondent yeah. he's written about it in the past he took two kit bags worth of a letters over to Italy <laughs> Bully was gutted it wasn't right <laughs> Um, which is sort of before we talk about the Italian night we should oh. talk about the build up because yeah. he gets called up he's a sub on his debut against Scotland he, he scores have you, and have you seen the goal? no the, if you watch the goal you understand a lot about what Bully's like as a player because one of them lumps it up the field Bully goes up to try and win, head the ball misses it and it lands on his sh the back of his shoulder but like loops over his head and yeah. he just reads it and before and lands and on the half volley just smashes it in it's a great goal it's yeah, a really yeah, great yeah. goal quite direct it's, England it's, it's, it's direct it's instinctive it's like there's a lazy yeah. first touch but wallop he's finished it and it's like he scores on his debut and it's like Bobby Robson just believes in him then and just backs him and then he scores three more times in the build up including two against Czechoslovakia that cemented his uh, place and Gazza's 
and that night was incredible because the thing about Bully is Bully relies on good service like you know yeah, yeah. that's the way he works so at Wolves he had Paul Cook who could pass the ball but obviously he starts playing with Gascoigne and Gascoigne is in his pomp and on that night against Czechoslovakia Gascoigne is just servicing Bully so yeah. both those goals come so would, from that have been, would Lineker have been playing as well yeah so Lineker plays against Czechoslovakia and Bully scores twice wow. now the thing about Bully and Lineker is they don't really they don't link up because yeah. they're both they're both selfish goal scorers. Yeah. Right? So like that's kind of going to be an ongoing theme of like can Lineker and Bully play together? Oh right. I mean it wasn't the so Gerard the- and Lampard of its day. But it, was, <laughs> <laughs> it was something we talked about. So at this point, scores against Czechoslovakia. The Czechoslovakia goal is is voted one of the top fifty England goals of all time. Really? Yeah. It, it's a stunning goal. Like Gascoigne loops this ball over to him and he chests it and just volleys it into the roof of the net. It's like it's a stunning goal. Yes, going. Call for it. Got it. And here's Ball. Oh, well struck. It's 1 1. Yes, going. Who played it through with a superb pass from the outside of his foot. And it was rifled in. Are the top clubs not going, we want to sign this guy? Yeah. And, well, like, and Wolves are desperate to hold on to him. Yeah, and the way it feels at Wolves is it feels like we're just gonna we're on our way. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like we've gone through third division, so second division. And it's like here we go, and it's it's heartbreaking to look at what. Yeah, you know, yeah. From a bully point of view. Yeah, because he he wants to play first division football with Wolves, and he yeah. is taking this club through the divisions, and it and it just seems like that's what's going to happen, really. Well, let's talk about World Cup nineteen ninety now. You've got the folder. Josh, do you want to describe what yeah, it looks so it's, like? Because it's, 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 it's got a, a very bespoke It's look. a brown lever arch folder with um, the World Cup 90 Italy by Thomas Parry written in Sharpie yeah. on the front or whatever the brown... Is, Sharpie wasn't around it, like so. permanent marker. And then you've cut out quite a lot of pictures of Chow, the uh, Italian 90 mascot. I was a big fan of him. Yeah, I like Chow. Good He's mascot. my favourite mascot. And bits and, and words like World Cup, England, World Cup, Bull. England, Eng- Bully. And a picture, little picture bottom right of uh, Bobby, Bobby Robson. Robson. Weirdly not a picture of Steve Ball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're all with that. <laughs> really weird. <laughs> yeah. Who's that? Hang on, who was that though? There's a chin. There's yeah, a that chin might be left. Bully's That's probably Bully. I mean, right, okay. So do you remember obviously. making this or did you find it and not remember no, it? No, I remember making it. I just didn't know it was still around. In fact, I'll tell you what I didn't remember is I've got the completed... Italian 90 <gasps> sticker book Panini Italian 90 completed sticker book and it's absolutely that completed is... and I forgot oh, wow. how is Bull in there? no oh I'm so oh. And that's, that's why he's one of those exciting call ups because he just wasn't on the cards but there's no strikers apart from Beardsley and Lineker that yeah. they've given this so. and that will actually start in two innit so he had quite a he, was, he wasn't like he bashed through a huge competition to go well, not really, no. Like, and I think what he did is he impressed for the under twenty ones, or and then England B. Because he was twenty six. He was old. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he impressed for England B, and went. They gave him the, straight into the call up, and then because he he scored so quickly, so consecutively, it was like he just suddenly was there. Yeah. So, so what have you can got I, in can your? Because this, well, this is really made me laugh that I found. Um, it's the it's the TV Times World Cup. <laughs> Isn't that a funny image to go with? <laughs> right. It's, it's Bobby right. Robson. And they clearly couldn't get a player to have a picture with him, so it's just the legs of a man on a table. <laughs> and he's just looking up at the man. 
So then what? So what What else is in here? So basically, I cut out and kept all of Steve Ball's World Cup diary. And then I yeah. like wrote little replies to it underneath. Yeah. So like Bully would write, I think we're going to get the result we want. And then underneath, I'd say, Bully's in for a surprise. They drew one all. <laughs> <laughs> I give like, give like little, another draw. Another draw. <laughs> But yeah, oh. this is this is kind of just like Bully's insight into being away, and it's where this is when like we every like I, I remember writing him a, a good look letter and sending it off at the Express and Star. Can you and imagine? Martin Swain maintains that Bully read every one. Well, I, I read his autobiography in the build up to this, and he basically says Martin that, Swain. No, surprised <laughs> <laughs> you can get a copy. Bully <laughs> says he would get sacks of mail would be delivered, and all of the England boys would take the piss out of him. But he would genuinely sit and read them all and try and reply to them. Oh, so what, wow. so what, what probably guy. happened is like the, the players saw these sacks coming into the hotel. He's like, "Yes, letters from fans." And he gets in and eats all the lovely rope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, the, the astonishing thing about it. Can you imagine today if one of the England players decided to do a local newspaper column during the World Cup? I'd like that. Yeah. I think it'd be lovely. This is this is an interesting one. It's back, this is after the Dutch game and he, he got on he, in fact he played quite a lot in the World Cup it's worth yeah. saying like up until yeah. three up until, times yeah yeah. He, he got on at the end of the Irish game I think he got on in Holland and he started in Egypt correct yeah. um, but just didn't get the goal and then Platy who was his roommate kind of had the World Cup that Bully would have wanted oh. well Bully was right behind him when Platt scored that goal for um, Belgium he, I mean, there's, there's a, a chance he would have scored it if Platt didn't oh really yeah. yeah if you see the footage Bully is like a He's shadow right away from him yeah, yeah. Oh. And, and Bully's the first player to congratulate Platty so Platty scores and slides and Bully's right there he would have him. if Platt hadn't scored that goal we could be talking about Steve Ball missing the penalty that got England knocked out <laughs> well, Bully says he was told in the Germany game with uh, 20 minutes to go 15 minutes to go he was told to warm up and he was warming up and he had his tracksuit bottoms off and then Lineker scored and Bobby said sit back down Steve oh. so he was very very close to being brought on because Lin- oh. Lin- for Lineker well yeah he was brought on for Lineker once in the World Cup and Robson normally brought him on at about the 65-70 minute wow. mark anyway oh, and that's where God. it was when Lineker scored so that night the semi-final do you remember watching it? yeah did you cry? yeah yeah, yeah. did you? Oh. I oh, cried yeah. in '96, but not there. I didn't really understand yeah. how the, how important it was. You just think this is this games like this all the time, isn't there? What for me about Italian '90 is it looks so beautiful. Yeah, slightly overcolorized. Yeah, the color. It's got a different yeah. color scheme to yeah. any other World Cup. Yeah, the pictures look incredible. The kits were incredible. Yeah, it's filmic, isn't it? It's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's yeah. filmic. It looks beautiful. And Gary Lineker. Tans so well <laughs> whenever he goes abroad. He looks incredible. He looks unbelievable. He looks incredible. And he's got that kind of like that layer of sweat <laughs> so that's true. giving him a Olive. shine. He's utterly Olive. Yeah. Olive skin. Um, this is a nice bit where it's after the Belgium game. Like everyone else, I thought we were set for penalties, but up popped Platy with a goal of a lifetime, and there were a few celebrations in room 517 of the Novo Hotel afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind admitting. <laughs> So he's giving out their, uh, yeah, their hotel room. Um, Bully says, it's back to business after a taste of sunshine luxury. Well, this is the life. Yesterday brought a rare day off for the players after the match against Holland, and we had the chance to relax. And you should have seen how Bully spent the day, he's referring to himself as Bully now, on a millionaire's yacht. One or two of us were invited aboard the 60-foot yacht of Tranmere chairman Peter Johnson, moored off a bay near where we were staying. 
There I was with Paul Gascoigne, John Barnes and Gary and Michelle Lineker cracking up a couple of beers and having plenty of laughs in millionaire style. Wow. Isn't there a story connected to this where Gazza... There's an amazing story where that I read somewhere which sounds made up about Paul Gascoigne on a yacht during Italia 90. Yeah. And... It's, I think he's told from his perspective. Have you, do you remember this one? Yeah, he basically, someone dares him to swim out to a yacht. He fails. He fails. The guy on the yacht saves him, and the guy is Doug Ellis, the Aston Villa chairman, oh, yeah. who then pulls him on board. And, and also there is, 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 <laughs> that is Nigel Kennedy, the violinist. <laughs> That's actually verified. There's a video That on... does make sense, though, doesn't it? He's a big Villa fan. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, the Villa connection. And, so, and then Nigel Kennedy makes a joke about playing, like, is there something called Handel's Water Music or something? And that's like the punchline yeah. on the story. Oh, but yeah. there's a video. There's a video on YouTube that's recently surfaced of him playing violin for the England Italian ninety squad. And you've oh, never seen. Oh, so bored. <laughs> <laughs> like they're so bored. Oh, I'd like to see that. And Kennedy is giving it both barrels. Of course he is. He's absolutely putting it. Beardsley, to be fair to him, looks like mildly interested, like he's conscious. Yeah. But the thing is, they didn't have five cameras there, so lots of those cutaways are, are cheated. <laughs> As Josh pointed out, most of the players haven't even bothered to turn their chairs around. They just well, sort of like they just turn their head a bit. Like, who the hell's this guy? I think Nigel Kennedy and Steve Ball have got a similar story in that both kind of made it to Italian ninety, but against the odds. <laughs> no one expected a violinist or a player from Wolverhampton Wanderers to be. But they both kind of jumped up above their genre. <laughs> um, Bully's got... Well, there's two things about Italian 90. That there's a massive rumour that everyone in Wolverhampton knows that Bully's since said it's not true, but it could easily be true, I think. And the story is that the reason David Seaman came home with an injured thumb is because he was breaking up a fight between Lineker and Bully on the training field. And there's always been chats that there was a load of tension between Lineker and Bully, and Lineker felt threatened from Bully, and took the piss out of him a lot for his accent. And one day on the training pitch, Bully just went for him, and David Seaman broke them up and injured his thumb, and that's why he came home early. Oh, wow. Wow. Let's not do any due diligence. Let's take that as that. <laughs> I mean, I'd like, like to say that's alleged, and I don't believe it's true. Well, that's it. And like Bully has said, I get on really well yeah. with Lineker. We we meet up all the time. But like that. But that's the kind, anyone in Wolverhampton kind saying, of rumor that would go around Wolverhampton. Yeah. And it is kind of that thing about like if you discuss Lineker and Wolverhampton, they'll be like, oh, I took the piss out of Bully. It's <laughs> <laughs> like it's just like like. A, <laughs> so um, but yeah, and, and Bully's got a really good. St- good story about Gascoigne where he said every day he took all he took loads of shampoo out because it was really sweet Bully said like he'd never been abroad for that long before Bully doesn't surely need shampoo Bully said he took loads of shampoo out he's got a grade one all over he's got a grade one all over he's got the tipped and skin (laughs) so he said uh, every day Gascoigne would come knocking on his door and say Bully do you need any shampoo I'm going down in the shops buy some shampoo and Bully would be like no I've got loads of shampoo I've got loads of shampoo and he'd be like you sure you don't want to come with us buy shampoo he'd be like no and it was only like two and a half weeks into the trip that he realised that Gascoigne was going to the pub Shampoo was like his code. So there'd be a bunch of players being like, Bully, come buy some shampoo with us. And he'd be like, No, no, I've got all my shampoo. <laughs> I didn't get it. So one day was like, You're coming with me to get shampoo. <laughs> and they went down the pub. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then Bully, so he did well. Yeah, and was it not as well as maybe hoped, but. Well, that's it. And I, th- I think if he'd have got a goal, there's, there's two very, there's two chances that he definitely has where he's only just been brought on against Holland and the ball comes over to him and he, he misses the header. And he misses a header against Egypt as well. And he, he, both times, 
if one of those has gone in then he could be looking at like yeah. a David Platt style trajectory let's flash back to Wolves so yeah. summer 1990 World Cup's done so Jack Hayward takes over yeah and, and this is the beginning of something well this is the, this is our new dawn now for Wolves and like this is like here we go now crucially the first thing he does is rebuild the Molyneux and so at that time of like massive investment yeah he invests in the stadium and not quite the team right and that's probably where we could have stolen a march on like Swindon and you know Middlesbrough and some of those teams yeah, yeah, that were doing yeah, yeah. a similar thing around that time and so we rebuilt our stadium so there was this incredible like it's a lovely it? stadium it's a great like, stadium like I remember that's my first memories of Wolves is like this stadium's amazing yeah it's, it's stunning and that's yeah. it we really went for it and what, what I really like about it as well is we didn't move out you know like a lot of teams move out to the outskirts of the town to do that yeah. it's still exactly where it used to be it's right in the middle of the yeah. town um, and we had yeah it was like 93 I think it was completed but I remember every year you'd be favourites to go up. Yeah, and then we'd always like we we had two two playoff chances like mid nineties where it really felt like it was our time to. Oh, go was up. Steve Ball still your best player at this point? Uh, yeah, up, well, up until about ninety four, ninety five, he really was, and he was still banging him in, and it was like you could really rely on him. And then when it started to get to the latter end, like ninety six, ninety seven, I think we nearly went up against Crystal Palace, and he was starting to get like he, he had bad knees basically. Yeah, so he was getting he was slowing down. When we lost to Bolton, and I, and actually Bolton, because um, Bully got on really well with Shilton, and always respected Shilton from the World Cup, and Bolton had Shilton on loan for, and he he was probably the reason they beat us in that semi final. Right, because he was outstanding. It was kind of like yeah. the last hurrah from Shilton, really, but we couldn't get past him. And like the last hurrah was when he took Plymouth out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Due to his financial problems. Hooray! Yeah. Right. <laughs> so um, there's like an image of Bully on the pitch at the end of the Bolton game with his head in his hands, and it's like oh. I, I think all the supporters kind of felt like that was his chance. Yeah. And like basically, he came back from the World Cup and Villa tried to sign him yeah and then Graham Taylor took over so why didn't they get him did he turn these moves down he turned like them down year? yeah he turned them down and I think the first time round that's probably his biggest mistake was in after it, Italia World Cup Taylor took over from England and kind of told him unless he's playing first team football he's you know and Ian Wright came through and the kind of Graham Taylor went with Ian Wright instead now Bully if he'd been a selfish man yeah, and, and maybe in hindsight, he probably if he went back, would should probably take the. He'd still have been a Wolves hero, would he? Yeah, well that's it. Yeah, he'd scored by that point. He'd scored about 120 odd goals for us. He'd got us all the way through the divisions, but he could really see him being the guy to take us to the, the wow. promised land, really. And yeah. we were close. We were so close, you know. So like '94, Graham Turner gets sacked. Yeah, and as you say, in comes Graham Taylor, which is a hell of a story. But yeah, were you excited at the time, or were you like, "Well, this guy used to manage England"? I mean, he's, he's yeah. Kind of- yeah, from a, from a point of view of like Taylor dropped Bully from the England set, yeah. and Bully was still doing the job. We you know we all thought he was definitely good enough to cut it. Yeah, and it was Taylor who told him that. He wasn't really featuring in his plans, and then Taylor comes and takes over from the. So, moment. are you are you like? Do you hate Taylor? Well, oh, I think the fans were never that trustworthy of Taylor, right? You know, purely because his reputation was so poisonous. Was that his first job after England? Yeah. Did he spend a lot of money? Did he? Yeah, yeah. He brought in people like Tony Daly and Steve Frogger and people like that, and it felt yeah. like we were going to do. You know, John DeWolf was one of his big signings. John, DeWolf, John DeWolf. Yeah, the Dutch. Great right. PR point of view. Great. Hell of a signing for Wolves. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor made another one (laughs) and it was like there can't be many other clubs that can do that they could sign a player because their name's so (laughs) so So similar so um, so like we we, we had quite a classy team then 
So did no. Bull react badly to Taylor? No, by all accounts, he, he carried on playing really well. I mean, there was always rumblings that, oh, does he like him because he dropped him from England? And then we got to the playoffs yeah, um, and lost to Bolton. And that, that felt like our big chance, really, with that team. And then within about a few months of the next season, Taylor went. And yeah. I think there was, there was big rumblings because Coventry City came in for Bully. Yeah, Ron, Ron Atkinson, Atkinson came in for him. Yeah. 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 And they had talks. And Taylor basically, and, and again, it's kind of the thing with Taylor is at the time everyone's going, oh, Taylor wants to get rid of Bully. But then you listen to interviews with Taylor in hindsight and he says, I thought it'd be nice for Bull to have the option if he wanted to, to go to the Premier League. We'd just missed out. Yeah. There's an option for him. He doesn't have to move out. He can stay in the Midlands. You, Taylor's a good man. You know? yeah. Taylor is a good man. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a good, yeah. football, good football man. Um, and Bully, I, I was listening to an interview with Bully where he was saying like, I went and had talks, chatted to Big Ron. I went to bed that night. I thought, yeah, I could get more money. I'll be in the Premier League. I went to sleep. I woke up and I said to the wife, what do you think? And she said, it's completely up to you. We'll back you, whatever. And he said, I went into the Molyneux that day. I called him up and said, I'm not interested. I'm a Wolves man. Oh, oh my I mean, God. it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. So did he never leave them? Never left. So how did it end? His knees started to go and he was getting injured more and more. And so like, you know, Kelly and Goodman were becoming a bit of a partnership instead and he was increasingly having to come off the bench a bit more. He, was, he always scored goals. Yeah. Um, Mark McGee was our manager then and Mark McGee kind of was trying to... Taylor so Mark McGee player. was another big name manager yeah. to an extent of that. Yeah, that's it. It's still part of that Jack Haywood push yeah. to try and get us up. And again, we never quite did it. And that was the real sadness that came with his retirement. Was like, So what's he done since retiring? He's a club ambassador. Like yeah. He's got a stand now, hasn't he? He's well, that's it. So I know there's a stand named after him. He's a vice president of the club. And you know, like he You'd does... prefer to have a stand named after you than have one season at Coventry, wouldn't you? Well, that's it. I think the legacy that he's got of like, you know, three, he scored over 300 goals, 304 goals maybe, so he's a top scorer. And that won't be broken for a, a while. I mean, right? who's going to break that? You know, yeah. 304 goals for one club. I, I don't I think he might be the only English player to score that many goals for one club. Wow. I think, I think that's right. That might need verifying. Yeah. But like, in terms of loyalty, and I, I think that's exactly the decision he made. He chose... His love of the club and being the hero of this club. And I think he made the right decision, really. I mean, th- th- there's a lot of people who talk about, did he have the first touch to make it in the Premier League? Yeah. But then I think when you look at how he cut at international level, I think he would have done well. I do. I think well, he, he did. Have tried. Like, he, That's it. Yeah. Like, I think he's the kind of player who would score. He just knew how to score goals. Let's talk high points. Like, well, I don't know if this is a high point, but the quarterfinal of the FA Cup and then losing to, to Crystal Palace. Did you feel like that was that was a moment of, of glory? Yeah, that that for me, I remember that being the season. Like we, I think was that was that the where we played Tottenham in the quarterfinal? Because it was like that. We went on a couple of seasons where we had really good cup runs and we really played. Like when we played Tottenham, the um, it was when like. Dean Richards was just coming through, and, oh, and yeah. I think it's when Tottenham looked at Dean Richards like bloody hell because he was. Yeah. An incredible player, you know. And we had like Robbie Keane starting to come through the youth and occasionally dip in, and it was like he it hadn't had like his, he hadn't had his turned by your advice by that point. <laughs> no, no, no. There's another really good story about Robbie Keane, which was the first season he broke into the first team. He was queuing to get into Atlantis, and one of the bouncers came down and said, "Bloody hell, are you Robbie Keane?" And he said, "Yeah." He said, "Well, we know you're 17, mate. So come back next season." <laughs> Really good. You know his mates were Justin Bieber. They play football together. Like no, Justin Bieber goes no. around his house, and the two of them go clubbing in LA. In well, LA. You know, what? They're Ro- really good pals. Robbie Keane is Morrissey's cousin. What? Yeah. What? No. Yeah, that's true. Morrissey obviously is from an Irish family. I don't know what the family tree is, but yeah, he's related to. 
To my wow. Yeah. Uh, that first season with Graham Taylor, because I remember watching this game on Sky and it blew my mind. The FA Cup run. Yeah. You beat Sheffield Wednesday on penalties an after amazing, the replay. An amazing game. I remember watching this on Sky and you were 3-0 down oh, in a penalty shootout. Yeah. It and was extraordinary. I was there. It was the most incredible so what thing. happened? I, it was amazing. Do you know the mad thing about this? That was the first time I ever drank beer. I was washing it with my dad and he <laughs> was drinking amazing. a can You're of beer. You're too young to be drinking beer. Yeah. yeah. And then he gave me a taste of his beer while we were watching that panic shooter. I could tell you the exact yeah. day that I first tried beer. There we go. What a night. I so what was it? They went three and a lot. So they scored their first three. Yeah. yeah. Then you missed two. Wolves you? missed their first two. Kevin Pressman took the third Sheffield Wednesday An penalty. An amazing penalty. And he smashes it into the stanchion. Like yeah. it's the best penalty. It was I've the best ever. penalty for shooter. It makes a noise like a sort of cracking wood. It's <laughs> and then obviously I can't remember who takes the third penalty. Gordon Cowens I think. Yeah. Um, and then he scores. And then basically Sheffield Wednesday just capitulate. Chris Bart Williams misses. Yeah. Wolves carry on scoring. Yeah. And then Chris Waddle steps up and takes the sixth oh, penalty. Oh, no. no. Number no. six. Oh, no. So he, he obviously didn't want to take a penalty. Oh, and no. I'm pretty sure the commentator yeah. says something about, like, oh, yeah, yeah Waddle, would a Willie be vindicated or something like oh, that? Oh, no. Quickly misses it. Yeah. Uh, and Paul Jones saves it. Yeah. And oh, then, because that my, is my brother went home. We had a hamster that week and he called the hamster Jonah. Because <laughs> Jones had got us straight. Yeah. So then the rest of the nineties wasn't. You didn't make it out of the championship. No, and we were always. That was it. Then uh, we were always there or thereabouts. And that was kind of my. That was my season ticket era as well. Like you know, pretty much from ninety two, ninety three. I think through to about ninety eight. Yeah. Ninety nine, and it was always the story of like near misses. And I'll tell you another weird thing that's just come back to me about that, the cup run. Did you ever have this? When we got to the big cup games like Tottenham and Palace, I think we got in the cup as well. They open the stands up the night before tickets go on sale, and we're going camp overnight to buy tickets. What? No. Did you ever do this? No. no. So the Stan Cully stand where the ticket office was, they'd open up the stand from like ten o'clock the night before. Our dads would drop us off because we were school kids. Yeah. And we'd go into the stands, and the queue would snake around the stand. What, like the seating? Or yeah, was no, it no, no, the, on the, in the te- Like in the walkway before you walk out onto the seats. Oh, yeah. And everyone would take sleeping bags. Like it was wow. like a, an iPhone. This launch. is surely unique. Hello at quicklykevin.com. Yeah, 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 I wonder if any other clubs did it, because that's what we did. They put the telly on, and Channel 4 would be on or whatnot. They'd open up one of Channel the Channel 4 would be on? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> just general. Because we were watching Fancy Football League, and Jeff Astor came out to sing, and someone went, Turn that baggy bastard off. <laughs> I was like, come on, man. Jeff Astor. I mean, come on. We all enjoy this bit. Turn that baggy bastard, <laughs> that baggy bastard off. <laughs> and we'd take like tennis balls and stuff and have football games like in the in the walkways. And then like I remember because I remember being like it'd been like three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And I able to walk out into the stand and sit in my season ticket seat and be oh, like, wow. oh, here, it's three o'clock in the morning. It was really magical. Was there not a temptation to run onto the pitch? Yeah, but there's like there's like two stewards there for the night, and one of them oh, would always oh, make sure. Those guys must have been yeah. so annoyed with that yeah. shift. And like, yeah. it's like a weird sleepover. Like it was like let's have a sleepover, <laughs> but in the Molyneux. And then like I, I mean, like there must have been about I don't know three hundred people who did it, and then everyone else would arrive and get their tickets. Because <laughs> like, 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 people arrive at like nine in the morning and be like. Why have you done that? <laughs> We've been here all night. We're going to get the first tickets. There's like unallocated seat, you know. It's like, what? Why have you done that? We thought, like, you have to do it. I have to get there the night wow. before. Do you know what? It is exciting going to a ground, even when there's not a game on. And like, just being yeah. at the ground, like, even if you get on the inside. Have you ever broken I've never broken in. My friends, um, they went to Norwich on a stag do. And you know, like, some clubs, like, I know West Ham used to do this at Upton Park. Their boxes during the week are hotel rooms. 
What? Yeah, they used to, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, this is, I think many clubs do this. I'm thinking, so they make extra money by it's like up to park a hotel. So, so like when you go in the executive boxes at West Ham, we used to the bed would be folded up, and you'd have like, <laughs> but also like you'd go to the toilet in the executive box, and there'd be a shower in there. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a really weird vibe. That's weird. You gonna watch the game, Chris? Yeah, I'm just having a shower. <laughs> Can we talk about Graham Taylor performing a citizen's arrest while someone spat manager? on him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember that game? No, I remember. I remember the event happening, and I was probably if it was a home game, I was there. But I think someone gobbed on him, and he went for a citizen's arrest <laughs> mid-game. I think it was at Bramall Lane. Oh, was it at Bramall oh, Lane? Yeah, there you go. And what did, did he get? Did they get? Did it count? Today, no. does it count? He, no, he, he, got he, away. Got he got away. He got. He got. The guy got away, basically, oh, like from Taylor. Really? And then apparently the Sheffield United youth team or something grasped the guy up. Good, because they saw him do it from the stands. Yeah. Oh wow! Spitted him. Lovely. I think Taylor's one of the most unfair stories in football. Really, yeah. Isn't? I know you've looked at the documentary, yeah. but it's like, and it's like, yeah. what a good man. One of them. And they just, just went for him in such a terrible. It's way. astonishing, isn't it? Looking yeah. back, quite how different his reputation is from when. Yeah. No one's reputation has been reevaluated that much since. Yeah. Like, how did you feel when he was sacked as a Wolves fan? Because he seems like the type of manager and a type of football which Wolves fans would have embraced. Like, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think um, if you look at what happened, like he got us to the playoff semi-finals, and I think it was all it was the frustration of that. I think which yeah. was we started the season badly, and he was gone by I think Christmas. Yeah, like, November. So it's like, him, having got us to fourth. Yeah. They gave him like two, three months of that season. He was still building his team. And I think because of the unrest around Bully maybe moving, I think Jack Hay was impatience to get us to the Premier League and it feeling like we'd missed our big chance. I think that all kind of... And I think when he when he did resign, I think he said it's as much to do with things off the pitch as on it or more to do with things off the pitch than yeah. on it. And I think there was always that witch hunt after him. Well, he's, Jack Hay would have said he regrets sacking yeah. Taylor. Well, that's like, it. And I think he, got, he got Watford season. to the Premier League yeah, before well, he was a good manager. Wolves got back up again. Yeah. So. When it. did you make it in the end? 2003. So was it everything yeah. you hoped it would be? Because you must have been waiting your whole life for that moment. Um, well, I mean, from a personal point of view, it was a strange one because by then I'd been if away... If they'd had any class, they'd have played Steve Bull up front for that <laughs> first just game. brought him on. <laughs> for one minute, like, one like John minute. Terry. Like, <laughs> that. Well, Mick McCarthy did that for him when uh, for, in a pre-match game against Villa. Like 20 years, it was 20 years with the club. So oh. instead of having a test, another testimonial, they kind of made it like an anniversary match for Bully and let him do 10 minutes, even wow. though he wasn't in the squad. So Mick McCarthy kind of did that. So like, when you look back at Steve Ball and the 90s, the, that period, do you feel sad or do you feel like that was the best time to be a Wolves fan? Um, you can't help but feel a sadness. I think for, like for me, it was the Bolton game and that, that moment where it felt like, here we go and this is it and we missed it. And then two seasons later, we missed it again, but we stood less of a chance, I think, against Palace. But it feels like there is a tremendous sense of sadness that yeah. I kind of have linked with football. Like, when you look at England, and it's like when you, the, yeah. the 90s for me, it started at 90. And I remember crying my eyes out in 92. And then obviously Bully wasn't there anymore. Lineker retired. And then maybe 96. And that was around, you know, the Bolton game was 95, 96. It Euro 96. And you start to realise, ah, oh, football's a jip in <laughs> This fucking game just gets your fucking hopes up. And you're just sad all the time. That's kind of how I felt. Oh, that's the perfect end. On that note, yeah. Tom Parry, thank you very much. Thank Cheers. you. Oh no, no, no! I've got your gift. What? We've got your gift. Amazing. Typed in Steve Bull onto eBay.
Oh yeah. That is a uh, official signed Steve Ball oh, photo. Oh wow, look at that. In his pomp. In his pomp, <laughs> in his England kit. I don't know what game that would have been at, but I think that's a World Cup. That might even be his debut. And that's you've, amazing. You've got a certificate of authenticity in the back. I was well. going to ask for one. <laughs> <laughs> for insurance purposes. That's fantastic. Look at that haircut. He was an amazing man. I, I tell you what I didn't get to talk about was in terms of him having a brand. He had a specific celebration for when he scored a hat-trick, which was an aeroplane. And you only ever saw the aeroplane whenever he scored a hat-trick. He scored 18 hat-tricks for the Wolves. Wow. He was like a hat-trick specialist. <laughs> and it's like he had a definite celebration, which was if you see the aeroplane, then it means he scored a hat-trick. Just jump in the air and punch the air if he scored one. Slide on his knees for his second normally, and then third was always the airplane. Oh, really? Like every time? Well, he's just extraordinary. Yeah, that, I mean, like, without, without uh, hesitation, it was uh, the airplane for his hat trick. <laughs> what a man. Um, thank you very I'll much. I'll treasure this. Thank you so much. They look for Steve Ball down the centre. All flicked off the head of Walsh into the path of Ball. And that's it for double century for this prolific marksman. That was Tom Perry. Absolutely loved that. One of my favourites. I mean, we say that every week. But. And we would say it anyway. Imagine if we went, wait, well, see why we put that episode nine? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, that was brilliant. It's funny, but, you know, sometimes you forget that you are learning stuff about yeah. 90s football that you didn't know. And I found that really fascinating. Have we had any reviews? Yes, we have. Right. Firstly, this one from Weird Sky Fan. He says, absolutely brilliant. Almost as good as when we won Eurovision, Katrina and the Waves. Oh, yes. Lovely. We've also got... Love Shine a Light. It certainly made me breathe again. Adam Rickett, a.k.a. Oh. Spurs Rich. Oh, both, both strong. Adam Rickett uh, is now... Uh, I don't know if he ever managed it, but he was going to stand as a Tory MP. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he's a big <laughs> Tory. Wow. That's mad. Uh, anyway, Katrina like, and on the Waves. I can't he's in the top tax bracket. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? This week, it's a tie. Both of them are going to be here. Excellent. All right. Well, if you want to get in touch with the show, here's how you can do so. Get in touch with the show. Email hello at quicklykevin.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at quicklykevin. And sign up to the mailing list at quicklykevin.com. Right. Should we have a quiz? Yeah. Let's. Okay, so I thought I would mix up the format this week just to Ooh, keep yes, things fresh. To win the chance to pick the song that plays out the show, we have got the Quickly Kevin 90s Football Mastermind. Oh, my word. MG. We flipped a coin before the start of the show. Chris is going to go first. He chose for his subject... USA 94. I've done no revisions. No, I thought you were just asking us out of interest what our topics would be, not for a quiz, and I do regret now. What did I say? Uh, well, that's not a fucking start, is it? <laughs> you said uh, England at major tournaments. Oh, Jesus. And I would oh. I would like to say, our prefixes with these questions are too hard. <laughs> you will each have 60 seconds to answer as many questions as you can in that time. Okay. The player with the highest score at the end wins. Chris, you're up first. Oh, man. Which team lost the third place playoff of the tournament? Uh, Romania. Bulgaria. Oh. In what stadium was the World Cup final played? Rose Bowl. Correct. Three teams made their first appearance at the World Cup during USA 94. Saudi Arabia was one. Oh. Can you name one of the other two? Nigeria. Correct. Ah, oh, what? You're good at this? 
Name one of the two joint top scorers at the tournament. Uh, Romario. Stoichkov or Selenko. What is unique about the final placing of all four teams in Group E of the tournament? They all finished on the same points. Correct. Which team knocked out host nation USA during the round of 16? Brazil. Correct. Whoa! Which Brazilian player scored the only goal in that 1-0 victory? Romario. Roberto. Oh. Which player scored the only own goal of the tournament? Oh, that guy who got killed. Romania. Uh, time is up. Oh. Chris, you scored five. Excellent. Man, that's a tough score. Are you going to give it a bother to try it? <laughs> <laughs> five is superb. That's, yeah. that's higher, that. Yo, higher than two, I thought. One up. Okay, Josh. Fuck. You're in the hot seat. <laughs> England at major tournaments Ooh. in the 90s. Your time starts now. Who scored England's only goal of Euro 92? David Platt. Correct. Sticking with Euro 92, after being played out of position at right back in the game against Denmark, which player was substituted after an hour never to play for England again? Uh, Colton Palmer. Keith Curl. How many penalties did Peter Shilton save at Italia 90? Zero. Correct. Can you name the three goalkeepers in England's Euro 96 squad? Seaman, Flowers, Walker. Correct. Along with David Seaman, three other players played every minute of France 98. Name two of the three. Shearer. Correct. And, um, Ince. Incorrect. Adams or Campbell. Who was England captain for all three matches at Euro 92? Uh, Stuart Pearce. Gary Lineker. Gary Lineker. Oh, hang on, what? It's incorrect, he doesn't get the point. <laughs> in the 0-0 draw with Spain in the quarterfinals of Euro 96, Terry Venables made a triple substitution in the 109th minute. Can you name two of the three players he brought on? Uh, no. <laughs> Time is up. <laughs> you scored three. Oh, that's good innings, though. That's yeah, still good. They were tough questions. Yeah. Very tough questions. Yeah. So, Chris. Oh, what an honour. Well, you win I, every time. This is killing me. It is my pleasure to choose Bad Boys, the theme from Cops by Inner Circle. Oh, cushions to buy. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we will be back next week with Mark Lauro Lawrenson. See you next week. Bye. 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 This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.